As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard The Athletic's Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. Wednesday, November 3rd. Thanks for joining us on the Can't Wait podcast. Coming to you a little later in the week than usual. We waited for the trade deadline, so we'll get into that. Tim McMaster here along with Connor Hughes and Marissa Morris. Thanks for checking us out on YouTube. If you're watching live or Apple and Spotify, review us. If you can, we love that as well. We're going to talk about the possibility of a Jets quarterback controversy. Crazy. But we're going to get into that because Mike White cooked on Sunday in a win. Boy started that. What a performance. We'll talk about the trade deadline as well. We'll talk about John Beck, what that means for this team as well. Lots to get to. Um, Connor, short week for you. We talk about the short week for the players. Nobody gives the writers any credit. You got to go Sunday and be ready to go again on Thursday. Are you ready? Yeah, don't turn don't don't turn that stone over. I've already got jet fans on my ass enough. The last thing I'm going to be it's not going to make anything better if I'm starting looking for sympathy points on the uh, on the quick turnaround. But no, I mean it's it's I think the way that this went for the Jets with like Mike White playing the way that he did on Sunday that stunk a little bit because otherwise if we had a normal full week it would have been like full on feature time. You know, like call his high school coach, call his college coach, do like the big story and then run the big story because of the type of of game that he had. Unfortunately, the quick turnaround kind of prevents some of that from happening. But, I mean, if Mike White plays well enough or solid against the Colts tomorrow night, uh, that's when we'll be, you know, those stories will just run, I guess, with the 10-day break. It's just tough to be like, oh, that's definitely coming because you have no idea how he's going to play. But I am pumped because I'm going to go see the Knicks now in Indiana or Indiana, Indianapolis, going to see them uh, Knicks Pacers. So I'm pumped to see that one um, this week. So uh, tonight we got tickets. I know I saw them at the garden for the first time ever. And my buddy's like, you know, they're playing the Pacers in Indianapolis. You want to just go to that one too? So I was like, sure. So I got tickets. So Costello, Andy and I are all going to go once we fly in. So I'm looking forward to that. Nice. Hopefully they got to win considering I've been like the omen of bad luck. Nick's freaking (laughs) rolling, beating everyone's faces off. And then I show up at the garden. Boom, they lose. So let's see if I can break the Connor curse. 
We're going to, uh, yeah, absolutely. Now, we're going to get more into what Joe Douglas said yesterday in his midseason review, too. But but before we really get into it, because I do want to start with with Mike White. But as far as Douglas goes, um, you mentioned the timing um, not being great for doing a feature on the quarterback. But the timing was really good for Joe Douglas, right? I mean, in your column <laughs> on The Athletic, you yeah. kind of mentioned a few times. But, like, the questioning that he got was a little bit different than it would have been had they not won that game against the Bengals on Sunday. Yeah, that's actually the funny thing is that this is the, probably the second time in three years the Jets have timed this uh, this out quite well in terms of like obviously inadvertently timing the stuff out right because Christopher Johnson spoke in 2019, you know the Jets were were a disaster, really bad. They beat the crosstown rival Giants, and then Christopher Johnson speaks, and suddenly it's you know a little bit more positive. And here with Joe, I mean, if the Jets lost to the Bengals, you're coming off a 54-13 loss. You got your uh, your butts now kicked to fall to one and six, right? One and six they would have been, and uh, and and the tone of that press conference is going to be completely different. I mean, it's going to be your draft picks aren't working. You're not winning. You were two and fourteen last year. Now you're one and six this year. Like you, it would have just been one after another of just ripping and ripping and ripping. And instead, they beat the Bengals, and Mike White balls out in the way that he did, and suddenly it's like all all good feelings. Like, you know, the, the young players are developing, Joe Douglas said. He's happy to see the development and the progress that they've made. He loves how the coaching staff is piecing this together. I mean, it really was a whole feel-good story now just off of one game. And and there were a couple of times, like a couple of questions that I asked him, like to, to bring it back in. Like, yeah, you're right. You, you it, it does feel a little different right now because you beat the Bengals. But this is still a two and five football team coming off a two and fourteen season. So, you know, there were two times I tried to bring it back down with like, well, I mean, you guys still only won two games. So this offseason, you gotta try to expedite the rebuild a little bit by spending more in free agency. And and Joe danced around that because right now they just won a game. And and in their minds and in a lot of people's minds, they're probably thinking, let's keep the good times rolling. Let's beat the Colts and maybe we lose to the Bills, but let's beat the Texans and let's beat the Dolphins and let's get, you know, ourselves to, to five, six, seven wins now and, and really start feeling good about the future. But if the Jets go with or finish this season with just three wins or just four wins this year, there's going to be pressure underneath Joe Douglas's seat. The, 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 the temperature is going to be quite a bit warmer than what it is now. You know, Christopher Johnson preached patience. You know, that was Christopher Johnson's thing was that he had patience. Christopher Johnson had no problem waiting. Woody Johnson does not have patience. Woody Johnson is not a patient person. He wants results and he wants results now. And he has a ownership tenure littered with times when he stepped in and said, ah, no, let's do this. He stepped on the GM's toes or he stepped on player acquisition toes and, and said like, go get this guy. Go. I want this guy. It happened with Brett Favre. It happened with Tim Tebow. It happened with Darrell Revis the second time. I mean, that's all just since I've really been following the Jets. You know, those are all times that, that Woody Johnson stepped in. And even when he spoke at the owners' meetings to reporters down there recently, asked them, why do you have faith? Why do you have faith? And he basically said, well, because Joe Douglas and, and, uh, Joe Douglas and Robert Sala told me to have faith. And they told me that this is the right way to do it. And they told me, and they told me. It's not that he believes it. It's not that he sees it. It's that he was told to believe it, and he was told to see it, and he was told to think this way, so that's how he's thinking right now. But if the Jets keep losing, and, and the fans keep not attending games, and the, the attendance continues to drop, it's the, he's not going to buy on to another three years of just drafting and drafting and drafting and waiting for players to develop. And that's what I'm curious to see if Joe changes his offseason approach in terms of suddenly they're dabbling in that top-ticket free agent market. They're suddenly overpaying for guys. They're suddenly trying to get that splash 
to both benefit the team in the present while using their draft picks and such to benefit the team in the future. I'm curious if he changes that. So I asked him, like, is there is there a situation where he could see that coming because of the fact they went two and fourteen last year and because they went two and five this or are two and five right now and. He said, uh, you know, quote, it's like, I think he said, quote, it's that's a question for another press conference, unquote, referencing like, you know, talk to me about that at the end of the year. And then he did come back and say that, you know, well, the Jets, you know, we're, we're going to meet with all the coaching staff and we're going to go over the roster and then we're going to decide what our best next tactic is. And, and so we'll see. But if the Jets finish this season, like I said, with three or four wins, I'm fairly certain that it's going to result in a very aggressive free agency for Joe Douglas. And the last thing I asked him too was like I said I was like I don't want to keep harping on on two wins two wins but again two and fourteen now two and five like the Jets haven't really even been all that competitive in a lot of these games the rookie quarterback hasn't looked all that good and it took a four hundred yard three touchdown effort from your backup to beat the Bengals so like when is it going to come a time where it's not about developing the youth it's not about um, seeing little signs it's not about fighting it's not about bouncing back it's about winning. Football games. It's about fielding a competitive team that wins football games. I'm not even talking about Super Bowl. I'm just talking about consistently winning. And, you know, he said about, you know, day by day, step by step, and kind of danced around the question. So I know it was really good feels. I know everyone was in in a good mood. And, uh, oh, yeah, look at the Jets. Look, oh, they just beat the Bengals. Mike White's going to win, like, every offensive award this week. Like, all this crazy stuff. But at the end of the day, there's still a 2-5 football team that was one loss away one Mike White touchdown drive, one Joe Burrow touchdown drive at the end of that game from having a very, very different feel in that conference, talking to Douglas about his team. All right, let's get into the good feels then. We don't want to make this podcast negative coming off of what the Jets did on Sunday, which was really, let's be honest, it was remarkable. Um, And it was, say what you will, it was just fun, right? It was fun to watch. Mike White coming out and just slinging the ball all over the field. Uh, 37 to 45, 405. Three touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, he brought the energy. His teammates were rallying around him. You could see that. You could feel that. Uh, there was a lot to get into. Along with his performance, though, Connor, and we'll get into the fact of like what does he need to do to to keep this job for a longer period of time. But the other big change here was LaFleur being up in the booth. Do you think that made a difference at all? Because he said all along since the summer that he prefers to be up in the booth. Uh, Sala preferred to have him on the field. He had been there. Is there something to LaFleur being up high and not on the field? This is probably not the answer everyone wants to hear, but I will say that I think the vast majority of the credit for the Jets offensive outburst on Sunday has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that they hired John Beck has absolutely (laughs) nothing to do with the fact that Mike LaFleur was upstairs and it has absolutely everything to do with the fact that for the first time this year they had a quarterback under center who pieced together just about a complete one through fourth quarter game Uh, For the first time all year, they had a quarterback that was out there that played within the structure of the offense. And for the first time this year, they had a quarterback that did exactly what they wanted the quarterback to do. You know, with Zach Wilson, and, and we've seen this so many times, it's hero ball whenever he's out there. You know, he takes the snap, he drops back, and... You know, remember Salo back in like week two, he said Zach's got to start playing boring football. Like that's what Mike White did. And that's what Zach Wilson hasn't done because he drops back. He looks for his first read. If the first read's not there, 
he's scrambling. He's running. He's going left. It becomes backyard football. And he's running around and running around and looking, or he's forcing the pass or all these things. And it's just, it's it's not what the Jets want. What the Jets want is first read. If it's there, go. If it's not there, check it down. First read, check it down. First read, check it down. First read, check it down. That's what they want. That's how they want this offense to work. They're going to work in the run game. They're going to work in the screen game. Like Kyle Shanahan, like we said from the very beginning, loves the short passes. Mike LaFleur loves the short passes. So give the running backs the ball. Let the running backs catch it. Let Elijah Moore get it in space. Like do those things. Like move the ball that way. Zach Wilson, for whatever reasons, despite the fact the Jets have stressed it over and over and over again, it, do- it didn't happen. And it didn't happen early in the year. And so that hero ball and some of the interceptions he was throwing and the mistakes he was throwing then reverted to almost like he was second-guessing himself. So it wasn't first read, not there, check it down. First read there, get the ball. It's first read, staring at my first read. Do I think he's open? Yeah, okay, he is open. Throw the ball. And at that point, the window's closed and the ball is deflected, intercepted, or off, right? There's times when Zach Wilson has gone to the check down. He has gone to the short throw, the short and immediate throws, and he's bounced the ball, you know? The touchdown that would have been that would have won the game to Ryan Griffin against the Tennessee Titans. The Falcon game that pretty much could have flipped on its head if he had found Jamison Crowder or Tevin Coleman wide open in the flat for big games, potentially touchdowns there in the red zone. Like, Mike White just did everything that the Jets have wanted Zach Wilson to do against a very good opponent. You know what I mean? Like, this wasn't, like, yeah, like 400 yards, three touchdowns. That was remarkable. But how many of them were within, I mean, what's the stat? Like, he threw over 15 yards once or twice. Like, he threw over 10 yards, like, three times. Like, he wasn't chucking the ball down the field. This wasn't like it was air it out, go crazy. The Jets let him rip it, quote-unquote, but he ripped it in terms of short intermediate passes. He was dumping it off to Ty Johnson. He was dumping it off to Mike Carter. He was giving the ball to his, giving the ball to his playmakers in space and letting his playmakers make plays. That had nothing to do with Michael Floor upstairs. That had nothing to do with John Beck, like I said. That had everything to do with the fact they had a quarterback that was executing. And there's no point in mincing words. Like, I'm not saying that that Zach Wilson's going to be a bust. I'm not saying Zach Wilson sucks. But I'm saying that Zach Wilson, through the first six games that he played, the one in six or the one in five stretch that he started in those six games, he was not playing well. He wasn't playing good football. He was missing the intermediate throws. He was trying to play the hero ball. And it worked to an extent against the Titans but even not exclusively against the Titans because he still missed the easy throw to Corey Davis on a 10-yard out that would have won the game. He still missed Ryan Griffin that would have won the game. I mean, he made the highlight pass to Keelan Cole and the one to Jamison Crowder and the touchdown to Corey Davis. They were all impressive, but again, it was the running around, scrambling hero ball that happened to work. Hero ball is not sustainable. The Jets realized that. So they want it to be a pitch in his rotation, you know, his, his strikeout pitch, but it can't be the one that he's going to every single time he needs to get it over the strike zone. You can't constantly be playing that ball. This isn't coastal Carolina anymore you know this isn't the other opponents this the I can't I don't know if I can actually say that word um the 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 crappy opponents that were on BYU's schedule like the whole running around scrambling throwing left throwing like that doesn't work in the NFL you can sometimes bring it out like you see Rodgers bring it out you see Patrick Mahomes bring it out and things like that but you can't do it consistently Wilson's been trying to do it consistently, and then because it didn't work consistently early in the season, you saw him start to second-guess himself, as I said, which led to some of the turnovers. When White was in there, there was none of that. When White was in there, you saw him just executing the offense, and you saw what this offense looks like when it is executed properly. So I think, honestly, Tim, this was so much more about finally having quarterback, finally having true, legitimate, consistent, competent quarterback play, 
and you saw the result of it because you saw the receivers play better. You saw the offensive line play better. You saw the rookies play better. And for the first time this year, you had a quarterback elevate the play of those around him instead of just the entire offense sputtering for basically 60 minutes. It's amazing how exciting, boring football can be. And I think that was Robert Salas' point, was just make these plays and it can work. This offense can work. I will say that LaFleur, I thought the play calling, I thought he took a step up as far as play calling. There was some fun plays. It was more creative, I thought, that it had been. Now, everything you just said about how Mike White did what they want to see done. Obviously, Zach Wilson was there watching that. He's going to see be able to watch that film. Does a performance like that by the backup help Zach Wilson to basically realize what this can be, or is it is it deeper than that as far as his personality as a quarterback? No, I think I think you are right there. I, I do believe that that Wilson sitting back and seeing this can help because let's be honest, man. Like at no point this season, like it's been 21 years since the Jets had a quarterback throw for 400 yards. You know, it's been two seasons, right? Since the because he didn't do it last year, so it's been since 2019 that they had a quarterback throw for three touchdowns. You know, and and Mike White did this. Like it was, this wasn't you know. Uh, some first round pick. This wasn't like, you know, the Jets had, you know, there was a, you know, like say Tua Tagovailoa ends up getting cut by the Patriots or the Dolphins, I'm sorry. And, you know, signs up, signs with the Jets as a backup. And then he gets his opportunity. You got, well, you have the former top five pick who just came in and balled out. And while well, maybe it's working, like, you know, when Ryan Tannehill took over and, and, and made plays with the Titans in place of Marcus Mariota. So it's Mike White. Like, Mike White did this. And I think, you know, when, when the Jets coaching staff is telling Zach, this is how we want it to, to work. This is why we want it to work. You basically, though, do have to ingrain that into Wilson's mind, considering Wilson has literally never played football like this before. Not in high school, not in college, clearly not for the first six games of his career. Like, he's never played boring football. So while you say, Zach, play boring football, it works. Zach, play boring football, it works. Zach, say boring football, it works. When you've been told two plus two is five your entire life, it's hard to say two plus two is four. You know what I mean? Like, that's just how you've always done things. You basically have to break a habit. And I think that there was a part, and you could tell early in the season, that, like, it just wasn't totally clicking for Zach. Like, it wasn't totally there where I don't think he really believed that that style of football could be successful, even though the coaches were preaching it. And that's why you saw that disconnect. I will say that, like, now having White go out there and play as he did and have the success that he did. I mean, because, again, in his first start of his career, Mike White looked better and was more accomplished than forget Zach in his entire career to this point in this one season, the month and a half that he played. It's any Jets quarterback. I mean, that was literally the best Jets quarterbacking performance I've seen since 2014, including Fitz's magic that he had in 2015 and you obviously because he's he's the first Jets quarterback to throw for 400 yards since 2000 to, since the 2000 season you can go all the way back there so this is I think a, a lesson that Zach can take of you know what it, it's not only just practicing what you preach now you have visual evidence that it works now you can say look look at how he look Mike White did he's like Zach Wilson has more talent in his pinky toe than Mike White has in his entire body look what he did within this offense against a very good opponent doing what we've been asking you to do throughout the course of this season. Look what he did and look how it worked. And I think you would hope that Zach suddenly goes, aha. Uh-huh. And suddenly he's taking the checkdowns. He's going one read, find Carter, one read, find Ty Johnson, one read, go here, one read, go there. And I think that's hope. You hope, you hope 
that that is where now Zach, when he gets back in there, if he gets back in there, you'll take you'll take off and, and start rolling. And two things on that before we take a break. One is yeah, here we uh, go. It's it's up here now, Tim. Not to interrupt you, but like this is just like this is the most remarkable, unexpected thing in the entire world. Mike White named AFC Offensive Player of the Week. Yep, like, like we were we were doing this podcast last week when Zach went down, and I'm like, I mean, they traded for the Jets. Traded for I talked to somebody within the Jets, and they were like, if anyone told you that they saw this coming, they were out of their mind. They said that quote, they were lying through their teeth if they told you this was coming. Like, no one knew this was coming. No one knew this was going to happen. Mike White is your AFC Offensive Player of the Week. Mike White against the 5-2 and two Cincinnati Bengals, making the first start of his career. The guy that everyone said bench in, in OTAs because they need a veteran quarterback is your AFC Offensive Player of the Week after having the best Jets quarterbacking performance in 21 years. Like, that is so ridiculous. It is. It really is ridiculous. And it's it's awesome. Like honestly, it is awesome. like this yes. is this is what we like get into sports for stories like right. this. I think one hundred percent. Yeah. The the good underdog story, all, all of it's it. It's a good yeah. it's a good story. I think the better story though is the the offensive lineman who has to go to like the AAF and XFL and then like <laughs> has some highlight tape, end him up with the Cleveland Browns and then makes a hey. start against the Steelers. And like I think that I think that story takes the cake over over Mike cooking. <laughs> I don't personally. know. Mike Mike White killed it, and you know maybe it's the maybe it's the Mike name. Sucker. Yeah, the good, yes, for sure. The um, you know, he get Zach Wilson gets hurt, and he gets to see Mike White play. Maybe that ends up being a benefit, but that also makes you wonder. Maybe even now, it would have been a great idea to have a veteran quarterback to start the first two, three games of the season, because then Zach Wilson, before being shell shocked, could have seen a quarterback with the Jets personnel in the Jets offense running this system before he had to do it, right? Yes, and not even so much that it's it's and I, I like I don't even I don't even go as far as start the regular season because in my opinion I am you invested a number 2 pick in this kid, let the rookie play because you want him to take his lumps, you want him to experience that now. Like you want him to experience everything now. So that he takes, like, you know, Sal always talks about the scars. So he gets his scars and it benefits enough. Because the most benefit thing, if you hit if you hit on a rookie quarterback, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth round, doesn't matter, seventh. Like, as long as you hit on a rookie quarterback, you get him on that rookie quarterback wage scale for four years. Like, that is so significant. But what would have been so beneficial to Wilson is that if you had the veteran in place here during OTAs, during minicamp, during training camp, that guy started, that veteran started maybe the first preseason game or the first and second preseason game. And then even though Zach was going to be the starting quarterback, he still got a chance to see someone else take the first team reps who had been there, done that. So when he went out there and he saw the one read check down, he saw, you know what, there's nothing here, just live for the next day. He could watch a veteran during practices and during preseason games and see everything that he just saw now so that when he takes over in week one, he kind of has a general understanding. This like, oh yeah, maybe it does work is already in there. It's base knowledge. And again, that's why we were saying all this. Like it was never about, in my opinion, a veteran starting in place of Zach. That should have never happened. Like you drafted the quarterback, let the rookie quarterback play. Unless he is completely inept. Unless he completely just has no ability to play like Tugavailoa early in his Dolphin career. Like they had to go to Fitzpatrick, even if they wanted to start Tua, because he just not was not ready last year. And even when he took over, he still wasn't ready last year. That's not what this is about. As soon as Zach showed he's able to play, you start Zach Wilson. But early, experience what Sam did, where he got a chance to watch Teddy, and he got a chance to watch Josh, and he got a chance to see two guys who have been there, done that, run an NFL offense. 
see that then take over. And then you bring your youthful experience and your exuberance and your arm talent. And then you thrust it in there and you take what you can see from them and build on what you can do yourself. It would have been so beneficial, which is why in OTAs, it was, well, when's the veteran quarterback getting here? And in minicamp, when's the veteran quarterback getting here? And in the start of training kit, when's the veteran quarterback? And the fact that they never did it, like, yeah, Mike White just exploded, but it would have been so beneficial to Zach to have the veteran here just to see how he operates. All right, let's take a break. Then we'll talk about the quarterback controversy. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, so as we discuss the quarterback situation, we've continued to say, right, when Zach Wilson gets back, when Zach Wilson's healthy. Um, so the one question, and and one reason that we're even talking about this is because of the way the head coach, Robert Sala, has talked about it, right? About who knows, you know, you never know what could happen, blah, blah, blah. Um, what would Mike White need to do Thursday night and then maybe the next week if Zach's not healthy yet? to actually keep this job. Is there anything like, is there any number he could put up that would allow him to actually keep this job and Zach Wilson to stay on the bench? Yeah. See, that's the thing is that, you know, obviously Mike White throws for 400 yards and and you hear it on radio and you see it on Twitter and like, you see some joke tweets about like, um, uh, which like, Oh wow. Like the, 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 the jets have a quarterback controversy or, Oh my God, the, the, we're, we're never going to see Zach Wilson play football again. You know, that, that was all over the place in the immediate aftermath of the game. Salah obviously fanned the flames with the quote, anything is possible unquote. And then obviously in the next day, like I heard, as soon as I turned on the radio, I listened to WFAN and I hear quarterback controversy, quarterback controversy, ride the hot hand, ride the hot hand. The fact of the matter is, and and I've said this over and over again, and, and I'm, I'm fairly certain that I wrote it after the game or, or tweeted it after the game, it doesn't matter right now. I, I said this, I, I said it on CBS and actually did a hit on WFAN and I said it after the game. Like it, 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 it truly does not matter right now. It is a moot point. It is fun to debate on talk shows. It is fun to talk about here on a podcast. It's fun to talk about it on so many other media forums. Like it, it truly is. It's, it's, it's a, it's a fun topic to have fun with that. Wow. Do the jets have a quarterback controversy? Could the jets actually have recreated their own Tom Brady, all of these years later, their own Tom Brady situation where this time the Patriots knock their starter out of the game, the unknown whatever round pick cast off comes in and suddenly the Jets have one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. Like, could that finally, like, could the football gods have finally, like, done them a right after all those years of torture they gave them after Belichick and Brady and all just dominated the NFL over the last two decades? That's all that is right now, though. It's just a fun topic to discuss. Zach Wilson is still this team's 
hopeful franchise quarterback. Zach Wilson is still this team's starting quarterback if he is healthy. There is no quarterback controversy right now as of November 3rd at 9.37 in the morning. There is no quarterback controversy. But as you said, Tim, things can change. So right now, it doesn't matter. Mike White had one good game. Zach Wilson is still... I know the Jets are holding out hope that he can play against the Bills. My money is that he does not play against the Bills. He's still one more week after that, but at least he can practice against the Bills because he's not in the injured reserve. So at least there's a positive there. I don't think he's going to actually like play that game. That's just my personal opinion. But the Jets are holding out hope he can. Because Zach Wilson is not playing this week and there's no chance of him playing this week. Because there's a he might play against the Bills, but you don't really know. Mike White's guaranteed to start one or two more games. So there's no quarterback controversy because there's no chance of Zach Wilson coming back. And if Mike White goes out there against the Colts and throws three interceptions, one touchdown, 150 yards, and is awful and the Jets lose by 20 points, and then he goes out against the Bills and the same thing happens. By the time we even get to the Bills game, if that happens against the Colts, we're going to be talking about Jeff Flacco play. Like, so it, it really, like right now, no. Like, it's just, it is literally just a hot button topic. It's literally just a fun thing to talk about. But if you actually realistically sit down and say, this is why the Jets have a quarterback competition, or this is why the Jets have a quarterback controversy, I'm sorry. The reasoning for it is all based on hypotheticals. It's all based on ifs. It's all based on ands. It's all best on, based on buts. It's all about what Mike White could do. Ultimately, what happened is Mike White had the game of his life against the Bengals. One game. The Jets are not sending Zach Wilson to the bench for one game. The Jets are not keeping Zach Wilson on the bench because of one game. The Jets are not going to do that. Where this changes, though, and where this does become a controversy, though, is over the next one to two weeks. So we'll just, for the sake of this argument, we will assume that Zach Wilson can't go against the Buffalo Bills. So Mike White is going to start against the Indianapolis Colts, and he's going to start against the Buffalo Bills. If he goes out there tomorrow night against the Colts, a team that is... Solid, but not nearly as good as what some people anticipated after they traded for Carson Wentz. And he throws for 280 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and the Jets win the game or lose by like one possession where the defense lets them go down the field and they score a touchdown to the end of the game. Then next week against the Bills, another 280, 300 yards, two or three touchdowns, one interception. Again, Mike White looks really, really good against the Bills. And again, keeps him close against a team that a lot of people believe is a Super Bowl favorite and a Super Bowl contender. That's when now, yes, you have a controversy going into the ensuing game. That's when, after the Bills game, you're saying to yourself, okay, what do we do here? Truthfully, like that's where that's where it can get interesting. I think that that the 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 bottom line. Okay, now we have to have this discussion before the Jets play the Dolphins on November 21st. Is two good performances, win or loss. He has to throw for close to 300 or more than 300 yards. Has to avoid the turnover. Has to continue to move the ball up and down the field and make the Jets offense look solid. Like good to solid. Like like play really good. He doesn't have to do what he did against the Bengals because I don't know if that's ever going to happen again. It's literally been 21 years since we saw a similar performance. So like you can't say like, oh, he's just going to do that next week. But if he throws for 280 to 300 and two or three touchdowns each of these next two games, if the Jets split these next two games, win one, lose one, but both games either way, like the loss is decided by one possession, I personally don't know how you go back to Zach. 
because if you watch the video that the Jets shared on social media after the game against the Bengals, when Salah says, I've got only one game ball to hold to hand out, 405 yards, and he's still talking when the teammates in the locker room are losing their ever-loving minds. They are going crazy. They're jumping over top of them. You've got Ty Johnson coming out. You've got Mike Carter coming out. You've got Sheldon Rankins on CBS dropping a Let Mike Cook reference. You have the players coming out. You have uh, Keelan Cole saying that doesn't surprise me because literally we've seen that like every day in practice. Like like you have all the, you can tell these guys love Mike White. Te- players on this team want to win. They don't want to get their teeth kicked in every week. So if they split one of these next two games after beating the Bengals, then play the Bills close or beat the Bills, and that's one of the games that they win. How do you then go back to Zach when suddenly everything you've wanted to show as an offense, you're showing with Mike White and you're winning games? Because that's ultimately what these players want to do is when they don't care about developing, they don't care about taking them on the teeth to benefit the team in the long run. They want to win now when they're on the team. And if the Jets were to pull the plug, Jets beat the Colts on Thursday night and Mike White looks good. They play the Bills close and Mike White looks really good again. Then you pull him and you throw Zach Wilson out there against the Dolphins and say Zach Wilson, because he hasn't played in three weeks, because he was struggling beforehand, he goes out there and he throws two interceptions, doesn't get in the end zone, and the offense starts to sputter again. Every single player in that locker room is going to be looking at the coaching staff and saying, why is he playing? When Mike White is better for us. Why is he playing? Why is he out there? Why is he the quarterback? When we had more success, more wins, more everything with Mike White out there. That's when you have to ride the hot hand. That's when you have to stay on this plane until it ultimately comes back down. That's why you got to stay on the rocket ship until it comes back down to earth. You can't pull him if that's the case. You can't. I don't care when Zach was drafted. You got 52 other guys in that locker room, 52 other guys that are putting their bodies on the line on Sunday, playing a dangerous sport, or they're one hit away from literally having a life-altering injury, where they are doing it for the money, and they're doing it for the wins. That's why they're doing it. Money and wins. And if you have, you, I mean, the Jets were getting their teeth kicked in for six weeks, basically. 54-13 was the last time Zach Wilson started the game. And then you replace him with Mike White. And Mike White throws for 400 yards and is the best player in the AFC, the best offensive player in the AFC against the Bengals. And then he goes up against the Colts and he beats the Colts and plays well. And then he goes up against the Bills and plays him close. And and then you yank him out of the starting lineup. That's not going to sit well in the locker room. It's not. And you can tell it because you can see how much these players love Mike White. You can see that. Now, with all that being said, how many ifs we're in the the what I just said. How many ands were in what I just said? How many buts were in these that I just said? Ultimately, like it's fun to talk about, like I said, but it doesn't really matter because if Mike White goes up against the Colts and the Jets lose 28 to 7, and then he goes up against the Bills and he loses 31 to 14, no one's gonna give two shits about what he did against the Bengals two weeks ago. And Zach will be back out there and Zach will be starting and, and Mike White will be an interesting chapter in this moment, and when someday I write a book about my time covering the Jets, I will absolutely have a Mike White chapter about, God, can you imagine when this happened? It'll be right after, like, the the wild shit I've seen, like, when the starting quarterback got punched in the face. Like, it's, like, just, you know, like, it's, it's, it's what you do. But right now, the Jets don't have the quarterback controversy because in order for them to have the quarterback controversy, those two things have to happen against the Colts and Bills. And if they do, I, I'll tell you what, from a media perspective, 
Mike White balling out these next two weeks is the best possible thing from a media perspective. I mean, that is just like headline and content bonanza. Like we were sitting here, like we, we were talking about this, like you know, we were looking at our, our, our viewership numbers and like things like that. And when, and when, you know, I was comparing like, you know, when this team has hope and when there's fun around this team, like you can just look at our podcast numbers and you can see the interest that is here when the team is good. You know what I mean? Like, cause suddenly like when the jets are good and they're winning or they're relevant, or there's like an interesting storyline, people want to read about them. People want to talk about them. People want to listen about them. When they're losing 54-13, when they're getting beat by the Broncos bad, like when they're not a fun football team, forget about winning and championship, and they're not fun. No one wants to talk about them. No, like the very, there are the few, the proud, the diehard Jet fans that come here every single Monday and Friday when we do this show and listen, whether the Jets are winning by 30 or they're losing by 30 and they're in here. But your casual fan that wants to talk about the Jets doesn't want to talk about them unless there's interest. Mike White balling out these next two weeks to set up a quarterback controversy we will see viewership numbers and readership numbers like we have never seen before since I've been on this beat. Dead serious. So for me, I want it to happen. I want Mike White to ball his face off. I want him, I want Mike White to cook like he's never cooked before over these next two weeks to set up that quarterback controversy going into the Miami game because that will be so fun to cover. I've never had more fun covering a game than I did against the Bengals. Like that Bengal game was fun to cover because it was like, what is happening? Like it was so much fun. I would love to see that over the next two weeks to set up that quarterback controversy, to bring readership back in, bring listenership back in and just enjoy that. But in order for all that to happen, these next two weeks still have to go in Mike White's favor. And unfortunately, like I know he balled out against the Bengals. There's still not the total benefit of the doubt going in Mike White's direction to be like, oh yeah, he's going to continue to cook. Like, you still got to see a little bit more before you believe it and you bite in hook, line, and sinker. But ultimately, like I said, it's a long-winded way. I'm sure I'm going to hear about it in the comment section of saying that there's no quarterback controversy right now, but they could very well have one over the ne- if the next two weeks go the way the next two weeks could go. I mean, best case scenario um, long-term is obviously you want Zach Wilson to be the guy. But hey, maybe Mike White. Who gives a, a shit? Great, Long-term, but, you want a franchise quarterback. Well, right. I don't but, care. Like, you don't care if it's Mike White or Zach Wilson. Flip. If it's Mike White, some team will give the Jets a minimum of a second-round pick exactly. for Zach Wilson no matter what happens. You could probably still get a first-round pick. And if you have a franchise quarterback, flip his ass. Get rid of him. Who cares? All you care about. Same thing with the Titans. Titans had Marcus Mariota. They invested in Marcus Mariota. They flipped him for Ryan Tannehill because they felt they had a franchise quarterback. Like, that's ultimately what it is. You right. just want the franchise quarterback. Doesn't matter how you find him. You just got to get him. And if it's Mike White, awesome, it's Mike White. If it's Zach Wilson, awesome, it's Zach Wilson. The Jets won't care as long as they get one. What I was going to say was, yes, Mike, you know, realistically, I don't know, when I look at it, I don't see Mike White recreating 405 yards the next two weeks, but maybe the Jets have a great backup too, right? I mean, if Zach Wilson ends up being the guy, maybe Mike White is a long-term good backup quarterback that when your quarter starter does get hurt, you can rely on to come in because that's something that this team hasn't had. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Yeah. And they'll flip them. Like it, it's like you've seen it before. Like I know the Eagles used to do it a ton and the Patriots have done it before. I mean, like ultimately, like if you get a backup quarterback, keep him for a year or two. Once he's on the final year of his contract, you deal him and you can get a second round pick or a third round pick. So imagine like imagine that situation. You get Zach Wilson as a franchise quarterback and then you flip Mike White in a year for a second round pick. Like that would work. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Like that would Joe Douglas would go crazy over himself because I checked in. I wasn't sure if uh Mike White was a, a Adam Gase acquisition or a Joe Douglas acquisition. 
Joe was the one that brought him in in 2019. Like it was Joe scouted him, Joe liked him, Joe brought him in and then gave him to Gase to work with. So it was, it was, I mean, Joe to, to invest in a guy that you, you get off the street, keep him on your practice squad, develop him, have him play when your starter goes down, have him play well and then flip him for a second round pick. I mean, that's a, a GM's dream. Like seriously, that's like that's like that is that is seduction for a general manager to be able to do that. I mean, that, that's they they would want nothing more than that. That's more fun than anything else aside from winning a Super Bowl. So yeah, I mean that that's obviously like a, an alternate, another one of these alternate realities that that like could truly come into play and and really, really really make him happy. Truthfully, all right, we want to talk about John Beck a little bit. We'll talk about the Jets' newest offensive lineman as well from the trade deadline. But first, one more break. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right, we are back. You've mentioned a little bit throughout the show the name John Beck has come up, and that's been a a big deal that's kind of come up this week. Who is John Beck, right? He is the former NFL quarterback, former BYU quarterback. He's known Zach Wilson for a long time, and the Jets have hired him uh, to help out. I guess he's also considered kind of a quarterback whisperer across the league. Um, You can listen to John Beck uh, extensively, really. If you go back to October 8th on this podcast feed on Apple and Spotify, um, if you are listening to the tape version, if you're watching on YouTube, check out that version. Um, Robert Mays had John Beck on and talked to him for about 20, 25 minutes, mostly about Zach Wilson. So it's interesting to listen to because you do get a feel for just how well John Beck knows Zach Wilson. But Connor, all that said, it does still seem like a weird hire just because John Beck's a guy who kind of had this thing going where he was dealing with all these different young quarterbacks. And now for the rest of the season, he's just focused on the Jets. Yeah, it's it's weird, I think, that the Jets brought in Zach Wilson's personal quarterback coach. Yep. I mean, yeah, like if, I know fans are going to go crazy over this. Like, yeah, it's great. Awesome. Yeah, like his, they brought in, they hired his personal quarterback coach. But like Trevor Lawrence's personal quarterback coach isn't working for the Jaguars and he's fine. Like the... The Bears don't have Justin Fields as personal quarterback coach. Mac Jones doesn't have his personal quarterback coach. The 49ers don't have his personal quarterback coach. Like to me, and and Rich brought this up and and Salah disagreed with it, but also if Salah agreed with it, he wouldn't tell us. Um, Rich Samini brought it up in the press conference that like you hiring his personal quarterback coach during the bye week sends the message that what you're trying to do with him, the coaching that you're giving him with Kavanaugh and the coaching you're giving him with Calabrese and the coaching that you're giving him with LaFleur isn't working. So you had to now go out and hire his personal quarterback coach to basically, and, and Salah like talked about this. Like he said, Oh no, he's working with everyone. But when he first said everything he did, it was basically all about Zach Wilson. Like it was basically the Jets now have a personal quarterback coach for Zach Wilson on the staff. And that to me, like I get, I get doing everything you can to help your young quarterback. I get doing everything you want to do to make your young quarterback work. But like Mike White had the same coaching that Zach Wilson had the first six weeks and threw 405 yards, three touchdowns, and one AFC Offensive Player of the Week. Like, he didn't need his personal quarterback coach, so why does Zach Wilson need his personal quarterback coach? I mean, it's like, even when Wilson said, he goes, oh, I'm going home during the bye week to work with Beck. I, I remember hearing that and being like, huh? 
Like, I, I don't, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't remember, like, Sam going home on the bye week and working with Jordan Palmer. Like, I don't think Josh Allen goes home on the bye week and works with Jordan Palmer. I know that's his quarterback coach, too. So, like, I heard that was being weird. And then when all of a sudden he's on the staff, which, by the way, gave a ton of credit to the Eagle, whoever the Eagle Eye viewer was that saw John Beck in the background of the Jets broadcast and was like, that's John Beck. I'm not sure John Beck's mother could would have seen the blurry video of John Beck in the background. Be like, oh, that's John Beck. Like I like that's just like some of you eagle uh, eagle fans, some of you jet fans continue to just wildly impress me. Like, and that was you you realizing that's who he is, wildly wildly impressive. Like, just just ridiculous. Um, but yeah, like I just, I mean, like maybe it'll work out. But like the way that I was like, I don't. Like, I, I don't, I, it didn't make that much sense to me. Because, like I said, the, like, what, like, the Jets basically, like, like, so they have Kavanaugh, right? Who's, like, the veteran guy. They have a quarterback coach in Calabrese. What does Calabrese do? Like, what what is he, like, seriously, it's almost like the, what's that, that movie where it's, like, they're sitting down there with the coffee and they're, like, so tell us, what is it that you do here? Office space. Like, that's what I'm, like, like, how many Freaking guys are in the quarterback room now. Mike LaFleur is in the quarterback room. Calabrese is in the quarterback room. Kavanaugh's in the quarterback room. John Beck's in the quarterback room. The Jets have more quarterback coaches than quarterbacks. Like, seriously. If I, is that math right? Yeah. The, no, it, it's even. They have a one-to-one. It's one-to-one. Because you got Wilson, Flacco, Mike White, and Josh Johnson. And then you got four guys that are coaching the quarterbacks. It's a one-to-one ratio in the quarterback room. Like, that's like, that's ridiculous to me. Like, I, ju- I just don't under, like, eventually it's like, how many... How many chefs are in the kitchen, right? Like it's just, I, 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 I. Every quarterback has his own quarterback coach on the side that he works with in the offseason. Like that is true. Like a hundred percent. Like I know that's great, and that's where like that's just like pitching coaches who have their own guys that go home, and and every every basketball player that has his own trainer, and and like uh, we talked about Duke Mannyweather working with Makai Becton. Like that's not that's not out of the norm. That's we not actually weird, like, joked to me at all. about the Jets hiring Duke Mannyweather too, but we were completely yeah, we like, joking and now they've actually done it for the quarterback. Yeah. But like, I just don't, I don't agree with hiring a guy's personal coach to work with him. And again, this is just the rest of the season. Cause I asked Sal, I was like, all right, wait, maybe, maybe the Jets were just so impressed with Beck. Like, cause they, they, they talked to Beck in the pre-draft process. Like, I'm sure they've talked to him, like when Zach's gone there, I'm sure Zach has obviously sold him very well. Like, I thought it was like, okay, maybe they're bringing him in to be a coach on this staff moving forward. Like John Beck wants to be a quarterback coach in the NFL. The Jets offered him a job to do that. And that this was like his foot in the door. Now he's going to be a coach. Like, yeah, he's working with them the rest of the season. But when I asked, I was like, I was like, is this going to be like a next year thing? He goes, no, he has his own business. Like, he goes, we'll talk about it, but he has his own business. So, basically, you have a rookie quarterback in Zach Wilson that played, if we're being completely honest with ourselves, very poorly for the first six weeks, seven weeks of the season. Like, he was bad. Like, he had one good game against the Titans where he made some hero throws. But other than that, he was bad. And now you go out and hire his personal quarterback coach to work with him the rest of the year. I'm sorry, but that, to me, is what Rich said in the press conference. That's what, to me, says you're not ha- LaFleur is not reaching Zach Wilson. Calabrese is not reaching Zach Wilson. Kavanaugh is not reaching Zach Wilson. So you have to go hire his personal quarterback coach to reach Zach Wilson, which is just ridiculous to me. Like, again, Mike White went out there and threw 405 yards and three touchdowns with the same coaching. He didn't have a problem with it. He's the same one. Like, like LaFleur is on the sideline because Zach Wilson wants LaFleur on the sideline. 
Mike White was like, go wherever the hell you want. I don't give a shit. Like, you want to go upstairs? Go upstairs. You want to be in the bathroom? Be in the bathroom. Wherever you want to call the game, go call the game from. I'm going to go on the field and play quarterback. He threw for 405 yards, three touchdowns in AFC Offensive Player of the Week. Like, it's just, it feels to me like there's some coddling, like, going on a little bit. If we're being completely honest with ourselves, it, it feels to me like the Jets are coddling Zach a little bit. And there's a very stark difference between doing everything to help your rookie quarterback develop and coddling and you don't want to set that precedent because if you start coddling a player there are 52 other men in that locker room that are going to realize it and there are 52 other men in that locker room that are going to look at him as like privileged you know what i mean and it's just to me it's just sending in a way the wrong message in my opinion maybe i'm wrong I've been wrong plenty of times before. I did not think Mike White was going to be AFC Offensive Player of the Week this week. I got all of my picks wrong betting against the spread. Like, I just, maybe I'm wrong. It's been, happened before. However, to me, it's like, I don't I don't like it. I personally, I've liked a lot of things Salah has done. I've liked a lot of things Joe Douglas has done. I've liked a lot of things that the, this staff has done. This one, I don't really like that much. Sorry. All right, before we say goodbye, uh, let's talk about the trade because the Jets did make one. It was overall really a, a dull trade deadline across the NFL, but the Jets sent Daniel Brown, who I was like, who's Daniel Brown? I'm going to be honest, but mostly a special teams guy. They send he's him on the Cam- Sam Ficken Sam Ficken club. I can't believe he's still on the Jets. <laughs> uh, they get Laurent Devarne Tardif back. He's a guy who made headlines last year, but obviously he was a part of the Chiefs Super Bowl champion team uh, starting most of that season, but then. It in 2020, because he is a doctor, he opted out to actually go back to Montreal and help fight COVID. So this is a guy that I'm telling you what, it's it's impressive that he did that, but that'll take a toll on your NFL career. Uh, and he had yet to crack the lineup or get into a game at all. He was active last week for the Chiefs, but did not play. He is 30 years old, so not too old. So Connor, when you look at uh, DeVarne Tardif, is this a guy that you think pushes for minutes is or is it just depth at this point at the trade deadline no i think i think he could push for minutes because greg van roten's been freaking awful this year i mean he's been bad van roten has been a like bad and it's like the we all we all ripped lafleur uh inadvertently um on that fourth and one call that he had against the patriots but new england's in the wide nine like so they are basically telling the jets you can gain a yard running right up the middle so the jets did and the jets ran behind their strength. They ran behind Elijah Vera Tucker and they ran behind George Fan on the left side of the line. And Greg Van Roten was beaten so bad at right guard on the opposite side that I'm pretty sure it was Lawrence Guy who was able to come completely across the formation and tackle the ball carrier short of the line to gain. Like that, and it, that happens. Like, like Van Roten had a good game this week, but there's still two or three plays every game where he's not like struggling. There's not two or three plays a game where he's a little off. There are two or three plays a game where he's just completely wrecking that play. You know, it's not like an offensive tackle that gets beat and the quarterback shifts in the pocket and still throws. Like, Van Roten's going to beat at the worst possible time, and it's killing drives. So I think this was the Jets' way of not having to give up that much, getting some potential in here, and if things continue to go as they are with Greg Van Roten, they can pull him out of the lineup and put him in there. Because if we're being completely honest with ourselves, like, Van Roten is playing really, really poorly this year. Really, really, really poorly. You surprised that they didn't move Crowder? Uh, no, because there was the same thing with May. Like you yeah. can loop May in there. Is that you know I I wasn't overly surprised at that because I I talked to some people and and was kind of indi- told that you know nothing was really coming that the offers weren't in there. I mean if somebody offered a second or a third round pick for either of those guys, 
Jets were going to do it, but the Jets, I mean, I can tell you, I can tell you firsthand, like Joe Douglas remembers the Colts game last year where the Jets had to trot out Lawrence Cager as a starting receiver and, and they basically had nothing going for him and he's still scarred by that. So he wants as many good receivers in there. So if anything happens to them, like last week, the Jets are without Corey Davis, Denzel Mims steps up. They still got Keelan Cole. They have Elijah Crowder They or Elijah Moore. They have Crowder. If Crowder goes down, they still got Barrios more. Like they have all of these receivers now that can make plays. Like that's the kind of weapon that De- Douglas wants depth in the receiving room now after what happened last year. Uh, and then with May, there just wasn't any option. I think what I was more surprised about yesterday talking to Solid than anything else was that he came. One of the first statements he made was about John Franklin Myers. You talked about the developing, the youth, the win over the Bengals, stuff like that. But he said, you know, I, it was a couple weeks ago, but we were really happy to get the extension done with John Franklin Myers because we want to be known as a team that rewards players who earn it. So basically, you know, John Franklin Myers outplayed his contract and the Jets rewarded him for it with a big extension. So I was like, oh, okay. And then, you know, later in the conference, it was like, well, Marcus May's name came up, right? I mean, the guy was team MVP last year. Guy's a, a, not not a great player, but a good one. So it was like, oh, like you can't extend him now because he's on the franchise tag, but is that something that you want to do after the year? And Douglas's comment was like, there's still a lot of meat on the bone of this season. We've got 10 games left. It's like, well, you've got four years of already watching him play. You franchise tagged him. Like, you know Marcus May. You know him. And so the way that I took that was one of two ways. Either the one, the first way was that the Jets just don't want Marcus May back and they're going to let him walk in free agency and he's going to be gone. That's like the first way I took it. The second way that it could possibly be is that Douglas has finally learned. Because we've talked about this several times on this podcast. I've written it several times in The Athletic. Um. Douglas has gotten himself in trouble by speaking to us, the media, and basically amplifying significantly so the uh, value and and basically taking all of the uh, in negotiations and giving all of the leverage to somebody else. When he says, Jamal, you know, we want to make Jamal a jet for life. Jamal Adams agency is now saying, like, you want to be a jet for life? All right. Well, this is what it's going to take to happen because we know you want it. And let's make it done now when Joe planned to wait and all those things saying it's a priority to re-sign Marcus May last year. Well, Marcus May's agency, Eric Burkhart, now takes that. It's like, okay, this is now our leverage. By Joe taking this stance, he keeps the ball in his court. He keeps all the leverage. He keeps it's like, ah, well, if we can get something done, we can't. So I think this was more him finally learning that like he can he doesn't want to get he doesn't want to get himself in trouble with speaking. He doesn't want to get himself in trouble with his words anymore. They want to reward players as long as those players are willing to accept the contract they want to give. I think that's true of every team in the NFL, to be honest. Like, But anyway. <laughs> uh, all right, that's going to do it for this week uh, or for the, today. We will be back, though, on Friday with a recap of the Colts game. We'll see if uh, Mike continues to cook and if this quarterback controversy continues to grow. Thanks for joining us. You can save 33% off a subscription to The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash can't wait for that. We'll talk to you again on Friday.